Hey, hey, first service. The people that love Jesus more. <laughs> oh, don't tell the second service I said that. Yeah, just kidding, just kidding. Wow, so good to uh, see you today. And uh, we pray that for your safety. We pray that uh, God will bless you today. And uh, this is a good time to be in worship. And, you know, we have... Uh, Pastor Clint was talking about uh, ways to connect, ways to give. We've got a new way coming out to connect with Family Life Church by texting. And uh, you could uh, pretend not to be on your Facebook right now. And you could text FLC Connect to 94,000. FLC Connect 94,000. Try it. You're going to play around anyway. And uh, it'll give you three ways to respond. And we're going to uh, just want to connect with people. Uh, so we just thought we'd try that. And uh, you'll be seeing more things. But first service gets everything first. Amen? That good? All right. Hey, we're finishing our series today. We've been in a series called Keep the Change. And uh, coinciding with our 21 days of fasting and prayer. If you started with us on the 4th, guess what? Today is the 21st day. And whoop, whoop, you made it. And uh, maybe you messed up a little, but we made it. I think if I see one more salad, I'm going to like, you know, but uh, hey, this has been a great time to not only just eat differently or restrict things differently. I don't know if I even want to go back to social media. Um, it's just been ni nice not ha seeing everybody's fights, you know, and, uh, but uh, I have missed your uh, vacation photos. But other than that, it's, uh, it's been great and uh, just being able to not only put those things aside, but replace them with times of prayer. Replace those with times of dedication, connection with God. And uh, as we followed along in the devotional readings, the scripture readings, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's really investing in my year, investing ahead, investing ahead. And what have we been learning? We've been learning that change, we got to make sense of change, because sometimes the change we want isn't always the change we need. We've also learned that when we open up God's word, it becomes a mirror that could spot things in our lives and say, hey, there's something that needs to be changed. There's something that needs to be changed. If, if you're reading God's word and you never see anything that reflects back into your life, you need to look a little deeper because it can reflect and say, is my life lining up to? We'll never be perfect, but we're always wanting to allow God's word to spot the changes that need to happen in my life. And then last week we talked about, man, we've got to watch ourselves like a hawk because we can fade. We can, we can veer off course. The best of us can have some incredible things we want to do, and sometimes those resolutions, if you will, those dedications will fade a little bit. We can watch ourselves like a hawk and come back into alignment. And today, I want to finish up, and I want us to talk about the potential of change. Potential of change is actually more change. And uh, the title of today is Get Ahead of Yourself. Get ahead of yourself. We're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is a very familiar passage of scripture. We see uh, someone that uh, Pastor Clint was just talking about in the Psalms, David. Um, David and uh, his heart for God. David and his uh, kingship in Israel. And his story of coming out of the, the, the sheep pen, if you will, right into the throne of God or throne of the kingdom. And uh, living for God, making mistakes, all those things. But today in 1 Samuel 17 is a story that people know, even if they didn't grow up in church, you've heard of David and Goliath, right? And uh, the whole thing about this background of this story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 is we find that what happens many times in these ancient times, these two armies come and face off. Israel has established themselves as a country under the new king, Saul, 
And, uh, but their nemesis, their arch enemy, was the Philistines. The Philistines were supposed to be driven out of the land. They were supposed to be taken care of when Joshua and the children of Israel came in, but they didn't get the job done, and now the Philistines are there, and they have an incredible army, and Israel comes up, and they end up in a location called the Valley of Elah. And you can go there and look today, and there's two hills on either side and a valley in between. The Philistines lined up on one side, the Israelites lined up on the other, and they were facing off in battle. And again, what was very common in these days is many times, instead of saying, hey, let's just clash in the middle and see how many we can kill of each other, let's pick a champion, a champion from each side to come down and fight to the death. Whoever wins, wins for the whole army. So if we win, you serve us. If you win, we serve you. Pretty simple, right? And so we see this uh, as David has come onto the scene just before this. The prophet Samuel has come and anointed him as the next king of Israel. But he's serving his father as a shepherd, and his brothers are off at this war. And so we find that David is sent on an errand. He's sent uh, serving his father to come and take some food to his brothers. And he comes in about the time that uh, Goliath, on the champion on the Philistine side, comes out and does his daily routine. He's boasting. He's uh, being the provocateur, if you will. He's trying to elicit some other champion from the other side to come out and fight him. And he's cursing everything that Israel holds dear to try to get under their skin. He's trying to intimidate. But Israel didn't have a champion, and no one was willing to fight yet. And so David hears all this, and we see that he takes action. What we find is that he talks himself into the ability to fight this guy. Here's this whole army on the Israel side. Nobody's been willing to go forward, but he gets in and he talks the king, Saul himself, into letting him go. He's got confidence because of what God has done before in his life. He's got confidence. And for whatever reason, the king lets him go. And we pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, 40. It says this, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. And let me just tell you that what he's doing right here is he's getting ready for battle. Isn't it interesting that he comes down, he finally gets the, the, the green light, Goliath is in place, and David runs down, but before he goes into battle, he has to prepare. And he stops by this stream, if you will, this creek, if you will. And uh, in this week's devotional, uh, uh, weekly Devo on Tuesday, I talked about this, how he came to the stream and he paused, and you can't pick up stones and search for stones out of a stream, stream without getting low. What did he do? He got down on his knees. He paused. He prepared himself. He connected for a moment. He got quiet. And the stones that he picked, now these aren't, it says five smooth stones. These aren't like skipping stones. These are called sling stones. Check these out. These are actual sling stones that have been found in the ruins and, and have been uh, uh, brought out of Israel. These are, these are smooth stones, a little bit bigger than a golf ball, right? So he's got a particular stone. Every time I look, five smooth stones. He doesn't want to skip a stone. He wants something to enter Goliath's mind that he's never thought of. <laughs> okay, think about that for a minute. All right. 
But here's the deal. David had no business going up against Goliath. Goliath was a champion. He was a warrior, and he fought in specific style. He fought face-to-face, warrior-to-warrior. He had, a, he had a, uh, an armor bearer that went ahead of him. He had a big uh, javelin in one hand. And so you can see these big Neanderthals coming down and fighting it out. But David was a completely different kind of fighter. He was what you would call a slinger, a slinger. And he would take these uh, sling stones, if you will, and he would put it into this sling, and he would be able to operate this thing with deadly accuracy. David was from the tribe of Judah, but he was a, a shepherd, and so he would use this very effectively to protect the sheep. You know, the tribe of Benjamin, it said that it was known of the tribe of Benjamin as they could shoot uh, or use a sling with right hand or left hand with deadly accuracy. So imagine this rock a little bit bigger than a golf ball coming at it's 90, 90 mile an hour fastball right between the eyes, right? And we pick it up again in 1 Samuel 17, 48 to 51. David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then he put his hand in his bag and he took out one of these stones and he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Let me say that again. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him. And this is going to get a little PG-13 here for violence. He cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. We always talk about this story, like I said, of the underdog story. David versus Goliath. Let me tell you what, David being a slinger, David being a gifted slinger with a sling and rock, he was perfectly suited to come after this slow, oversized, predictable, big target. But let me tell you, he had to get alone with God. He had to get alone with God. He gets quiet before God, and he says, God, this guy is too big for me. This situation is too big for me. I have no business being here. But notice what he told Saul to get into this position. He said, you know what? I've killed a lion and a bear protecting my sheep with this sling. Lions and bears are faster and smaller, and I've knocked them out. This guy, I can't miss. Let me just tell you, when you step out into God's place at God's time, there are times when no matter what the obstacle is, you have the advantage. The Bible says that he who is in this is greater than he who's in the world. And like I said, so many times said, he has no business going against Goliath. Let me tell you what, he came in in the spirit of God. He came in spending time with God in that pasture, if you will. And he walked in. Here's a whole army of people that are thinking in the physical. And David comes in and thinks in the spiritual. And it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Changes his trajectory in his own life. Let's fast forward. If you just flip a couple of pages in your Bible over to the 21st chapter, it's just a couple of pages, but so much time has passed. You see, the defeat of Goliath has catapulted David into a national hero. 
Do you know that after that, he got to marry the king's daughter? He didn't have to pay taxes for life. And he got placed into the king's service, and he would play music for the king. And then he would lead uh, the armies for the king, and he went into battle, and he became a, a champion, so much so that his fame began to spread, and that's what caused him trouble, because songs were started to be written about him, and they would go like this, Saul kills his thousands, but David, <laughs> David kills his ten thousands. Saul becomes jealous. He can't hold on to his leadership because he's not doing it the way God has asked him to do. And so he takes it out on David, and he tries to kill him multiple times. He takes a spear and tries to pin him to the wall. And most of the time they think, well, this is just the king's having mental issues, the king's having a breakdown. And so David continues to come back and serve until finally the king goes public and says, I'm going to kill David. And as we know, if you read the story and know the story, and I encourage you to spend some time in here because it's an amazing uh, text where Jonathan, the closest friend to David, comes and says, it's time to go. You know, sometimes we get so surprised when we get shot at when we're doing what God's called us to do. Isn't that something? You step out and do what God has called you to do, and sometimes, wait a minute, why are, why are people against me? Why are things against me? Why should we be surprised? Jesus even said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But again, it's who's inside of us. Be of good cheer or be confident God has overcome the world. So what we find is that Jonathan confirms that he needs to get away, and David goes on the run. And he'll be on the run for 10 years, running for his life from Saul. So he runs, but where does he go? Look where he goes first. Interesting. In 1 Samuel 21, it says that David goes to Nob. It's kind of a funny-sounding town, isn't it? Why would he go to Nob? Well, let me tell you, at this time, that is where the tabernacle was. The Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, was set up at Nob. And there was a priest there called uh, Elimelech. And Elimelech was there. And David and the guys that go with him show up, and they need God's help. And they go to God's house, and they ask for help. In fact, first of all, they're hungry, and they said, you got any food? He said, all I've got is the show bread. It's just been put out on the altar before God. You know what? That was communion bread. And he says, all I got is communion bread, but I'll give you that. And so he gives it to David. And then we pick this up in 1 Samuel 21, 8 and 9. And David says to Elimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my own sword or any weapon because the king's mission was urgent. <laughs> He's kind of fudging the truth a little bit there. It was urgent because he was running for his life and wasn't able to have his sword. But the priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. Now, these two events, the killing of Goliath and then the running of David and finding that these are connected. These are connected. Because what we usually hear when we hear the thing, get ahead of yourself, right? Get ahead of yourself, is we usually hear, don't get ahead of yourself. I mean, you ever, you ever talk to somebody and they've gotten ahead of themselves and you're like, ee, this is not going to end well? Hey, you know what? I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a bonus this year, so I'm going to go ahead and buy this car ahead of time just because I know I'll probably, you might not want to get ahead of yourself there. Uh, 
the Mega Millions was a billion dollars, so I'm planning on winning that, so I just went ahead and, went ahead and started house shopping. Uh, you might not want to get ahead of yourself. This is my first piano recital, and so I've, I've decided I'm going to play some Bach. <laughs> you might want to start with chopsticks. You know what I mean? People being kind, but they want to say, man, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. But it's kind of the cart before the horse thing. But sometimes what I'm talking about is getting ahead of yourself. Sometimes you need to look down the road. You need to plan ahead. Sometimes you need to get up ahead of yourself and see where you need to go. Look at what Proverbs 4.26 says. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Sometimes we need to think ahead what this fasting and prayer time is done, is there's things ahead of me in 2021 that I don't even know what's there, but I'm going to get ahead of myself, and I want to prepare now for what's going to happen later. Fasting and prayer prepares my heart and my mind, connecting those, those uh, uh, resolutions of what you're trying to prepare yourself for the future. The reverse is to just get by. You know, I'm not going to plan ahead. I'm just going to get by. You know, the definition of just getting by is succeeding with the least effort possible. But I don't think that's God at all. I think he wants us to get ahead of ourselves. It's times when you say, I know what this looks like, but God is up to something. And we're about to ready to move forward. And we need to get ahead of ourselves. The story of God's people is one where he takes care of them no matter what the circumstances are. God can prosper people in the most amazing times. If you're trusting God, there's no reason that you can't move through and actually get ahead. So many of us are, some of us are worried about our current state of the political affairs. You know what? God's people have never relied on the political atmosphere for their victory or their progression. In fact, you look at some of the greatest times in the Bible of growth were under some of the worst circumstances in the environment. Think about your path. Be steadfast in all your ways, it says. Make wise decisions that will pay off later. And that is what I mean by talk about getting ahead of yourself. I'm going to make a wise decision today, and it's going to be a blessing later. And here's how I see this play out in this passage. How did David have the sword from the tabernacle in Nob? How did David have a weapon to be able to get his hands on in the tabernacle in Nob. It's because he took it out of the hand of the giant at Elah. And here's what I've always believed about times of fasting and prayer. It's, what does it do? It prepares me for what's ahead. It's an investment in the spiritual for what I see later. It's really the principle that Jesus talked about, planting and sowing. Planting and so I've got to plant a seed in the crown today and believe for a harvest later. I make the changes God is leading me in today because that change is going to lead to the blessing in the battle that I don't see coming yet. Or this, let me ask you this. What you fight through is one day going to fight for you. But see, the sword that David took from Goliath in chapter 17 is the same sword in David's hand in chapter 21 to equip him 
for the challenge ahead of him. That's that moment. And that's what I want to look at right now. What do I need to learn from this season right now that's going to prepare me for the ground ahead, getting ahead of myself? Because wise decisions now are going to pay off later. It's planting and sowing. Four things I I want to just bring out of this passage today as we think about this. As I look at this, I think about four things. First of all, is this, be, be courageous. I love how David is courageous. I mean, he runs to the field. He, he feels God's leading him, and we see him showing up in this battle. <clears throat> and he is confident because God has been there before. The times before where God has given him victories, it's given him courage to know that when I step out, God is going to be there. And when it comes to change, sometimes we got to have the courage to say, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to step out today because I trust God. Remember, last time we talked about stepping out in courage. David ran towards, like, he, like we talked about, on the spot. Remember that? Sometimes we need to respond immediately. David saw courage as believing what had happened before can happen again. So he thinks about this. Man, there was a bear coming after the sheep. And God helped me. In his strength, I was able to take out that bear. Because God helped me with the bear, because God helped me with the lion, he has the confidence and courage to say, you know what? God can help me take out this huge, big, slow target. I don't know if you can recall a time in your life when God showed up unexpectedly and surprised you what felt like a miracle, let me tell you, don't forget that. There's one place in scripture that talks about they're like trophies or, or things we hang on the wall to go back to and look at. Say, well, God is with me here and God's with me here. This is what God did then. It might not be the exact same way, but that gives me confidence of what I look at ahead. You know, every time I think about the church finances or the lack of it, <laughs> I can worry about it a lot, right? You're not worried about it is you're off your own life, but because sometimes we really put the not in not-for-profit. <laughs> and we're thinking about these finances and we're worried about them. And, and you know, it reminds me of a time several years ago we were praying for a financial, financial miracle. Guess that? Several years ago we were in a spot where we're like, man, we are not making it. We've got a shortfall. we got to pray for extra funds. And so we were doing a, a concerted time asking people to give extra I think we called it the March Miracle. And we were all like, okay, God, you got to show up. And I said, maybe we can just get enough to cover this money that we need. I think our goal was around $30,000. We can just get that. We can get, we can get covered and move forward. And right in the middle of that, I had a guy call me that doesn't even attend our church. And it was on my day off. And he's like, hey, I, I need to meet you at the church. And I'm like, well, it's my day off. But uh, he was a friend, so I thought, oh, Okay. If it had been somebody that attended the church, I'd say you have to wait, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But I said, okay, you know, no problem. I'm, I'm driving down here going, what's this about? And why does it have to be on my day off? And as I sit down with this guy and begin to talk to him, he's talking about how God is blessing him and God has blessed him in the past. And then he said, you know, God really moved on my heart. I heard about what you're doing in your church and I just wanted to contribute to it. And he handed me a check. And I was about ready just to put it in my pocket because I don't want to be rude and look at the check. But he was kind of looking at me like I should look at the check. 
And I looked down at $250,000. I'm telling you what, I was just like, yes. And then I began to say, God, can you make this happen every week? <laughs> right? But it was such... It was such an encouragement. It was such a moment. It was such a miracle moment. Now, let me tell you this. It doesn't happen. In fact, it hasn't happened since exactly that way. If you're in the room and you want to make it happen again, make it rain. Let's do it. <laughs> it hasn't happened since, but every time we come up against something and say, boy, how are we going to get through? I say, you know what? At any moment, God can have someone or something walk through that door that can do what we need to do. It gives me confidence. It gives me confidence. He did it then. Why can't he do it now? Like I said, it might not look exactly the same way, but he can do it. So we've got to be courageous. Second thing, we've got to be generous. We've got to be generous. David received the sword at Nob when he needed it the most. He needed a sword because he had taken it from the giant in the valley of Elah, but something happened in between there. It wasn't that just he just took it from the giant. The only reason the sword was there for him when he needed it the most is because he had put it into God's hands. Think about that. The Bible tells us that when David killed Goliath, not only did he take his head back to his tent, but it said it took his sword, it took his armor. But a short time after that, David invested that sword, gave it over to God, and he knew it was in the temple because he was generous and we read in the scripture, David went into battle without a sword. He had a sling. That's pretty good, but a sling ain't going to cut somebody's head off. Don't mean to get gross, but you know, that'd be a while just working on that one. But he put God first. God was in this victory, and he said, God, this is your victory. It wasn't my victory. We're going to invest it back into you. I love that. He kept if he'd have kept everything in his hands, if he'd have said, no, this is mine, I did this, it's my victory, he would have been without help as he moved forward. But he put it into God's hands. I'm just saying, I'm telling you, the principle of planting and sowing is all the way through this. Let me ask you this question. What does my lack of giving keep God from giving me? What does my lack of giving keep God from giving me? When I invest, when I invest, seed sowing. Any good farmer knows when you've got good soil, you can stand there and look at that field all day long and say, why isn't anything coming out of it? Maybe because you're not putting anything into it. You invest in it to get out. Now, we don't give to get, but let me tell you what, and we don't give to get God's favor but let me tell you what, it's a, it's a principle of life. You put it in the ground, it's going to come back. What a, what a story of generosity. Third thing is to be constant. Definition of constant, unchangingly faithful and dependable. It's simple faith. David was constant no matter the circumstances. You see this throughout his life, even when he was young. He was constant. Check this out. He was out in the field as a shepherd. His family didn't treat him the greatest. How, how, how do we know his family didn't treat him the greatest? Well, I don't know about you, but when the, when the prophet came, he said, I want all your sons lined up because I want to see all your sons. They forgot about David. They said, here's the most important sons, but you don't want the little guy, the youngest guy. And it wasn't until Samuel said, none of these are the right. You got to have another son. Oh, let's pull him in. <laughs> Whoopsie. 
and he gets anointed as king. And once he's anointed as king, he ascends to the throne immediately. No, he doesn't. He goes back to the field, and fate, he's constant. Hey, this is my position. I'm going to serve. Wherever, you ever heard bloom where you're planted? He says, you know what? I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm connected here. I'm going to stay here. He's already been anointed king, and he's still serving his father. His dad says, hey, your brothers need some supplies. That's how he got, that's what led to the victory with Goliath in the first place, is him being constant, simply growing wherever he was placed. You know, I don't really miss out (laughs) on, on social media a whole lot, but one of the greatest things is I don't have, I don't, I don't wish that I was someplace else. Because one of the things about social media is all the greatest pictures of your vacations or your great eating spots or your great hikes. And I'm looking at that going, man, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. But you know what? I need to be right where God wants me to be. You need to be right where God wants you to be. And the last thing today, and we're going to close with this, is to be loyal. David was loyal to Saul even though he was not treated well. He was loyal to God's anointed. He honored God's anointed even when God's anointed was not honoring him. Even when it wasn't easy to be. Even after Saul and his best friend were gone, even after the death of Saul and most of his family, you see David continued to be loyal by honoring Jonathan's son Not only that, he was loyal to God's house. Where did he go when he was in trouble? His first stop when he was in trouble, where did he go? He went to the tabernacle. The guys with him said, David, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? I know where we got to go first. We're going to go to God's house first. Psalm 27, 4. This is David's heart. I have asked the Lord for one thing, and this is my desire. I want to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life so that I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate in his temple. This was David's heart. And where did that get him? Where did this loyalty to God's house get him in times of trouble? What what did he leave in this story? What did he leave that temple with, that, that tabernacle with in the story? Well, bread for his stomach and a sword for his hand. I love that. David had provision and protection when he needed it the most because he was loyal to God's house. I love what Eugene Peterson says in his book on David. He said, when you come to God's house, when you prioritize God's presence, you receive bread for the journey and a sword for the struggle. You ought to walk out of here today and say, man, I've got something I can chew on this week. You ought to walk out of here with the confidence that, man, man, my next battle, I'm going to trust God a little bit more bread for the journey, and a sword for the struggle. Do you come in to God's house or do you tune in when you're watching online and say, you know what, I'm going to receive something today that's going to help me later? Because here's the deal. Giants can't stand when we put our focus on the ones who fights through us. Let me tell you what, it's Jesus fighting for you. It's Jesus 
praying through you. It's Jesus serving through you. You know, a lot of times we look in there and we think we're David in the story. Guess what? You're not David in that story. Jesus is David in the story because the Bible says over and over, the battle is God's. The battle is the Lord's. It's not his. David just said, I'm going to let God fight through me. But so many times, I don't know about you, but when I look at this, I spend so much time looking at how big my giant is, how big my struggle is, how big my disappointment is, how frustrated I am with the circumstances around me than I do focusing on what God wants to say. I want to close with this. Max Lucado. I love Max Lucado. He's probably one of the, the best writers I've ever heard. I love his books. They're so well written. He wrote a book called Facing Your Giant, and he says this. Your Goliath doesn't carry a sword or a shield. He brandishes blades of unemployment, abandonment, sexual abuse, or depression. Your, your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. He prances through your office, your bedroom, your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, whiskey you can't resist, pornography you can't refuse, a career you can't escape, a past you can't shake, and a future you can't face. You know well the roar of your Goliath. But he doesn't end there. He says, lift your eyes, giant slayer. The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one out of you. Wow. We've got to get ahead of ourselves. Let this be the year that we lean out a little bit and we're giving, we're planting like you've always wanted to do. I know in the heart of every person is, man, I want to be generous. I want to be connected more. Maybe you need to start serving now like you've always wanted to do. Maybe you need to start leaning into battle knowing that because I prioritize God, the answer might just walk into the door any moment so I can be confident. I can be generous. I can be loyal because of what God has done for me. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the one that fights through us, that lives through us when we allow you to do that. You're the one that takes the battle into your hands. And God, I thank you for examples, some of the stories we've heard all our lives, maybe stories we're so familiar with, and just look at it again and see how you are there, laced through it, God. Thank you, God, for the courage and the, the generosity and the constant, the constant faithfulness and the loyalty of God. Thank you, God, for David to remind us of how beautiful your presence is. And God, I pray that today, if nothing else happens, that as we walk out of this place, we'll have bread for the journey and a sword for the struggle as we've received it from you. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts after this fasting and prayer time, that it wouldn't just be a start of the year, but it would be the theme of the year for each one of us. If you're in the room today and you just feel like God's just speaking directly to you, allow him to speak into your life. Maybe you walked in today and the particular giant in front of you is so much louder, you can't hear anything else, and 
from today, I pray that you would be able to hear God's voice above it all. He can stand for you. He can stand through you. Greater is he that's in you and in your life than anything the world can give you, than any fear, than any threat. Receive that today. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I encourage you. It's such an important time in our history, in our lives. We need to be giving over to God our hearts, our minds. That's another investment. You give God your heart and your life today. Let me tell you what, he's gonna bring it back to you in the full. Maybe just do that by saying, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, connect with me. And then let us know, and we're gonna step in and help you and walk with you and resource you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we see in your word. Thank you that you can come again and again and speak courage to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Now, this prayer wall right over here where we have uh, tables, you can safely come to one side of the tables. There'll be someone there to pray with you on the other side of that table. So we just want to encourage you to do that. Don't leave today without having someone pray for you. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for being here. I want to thank this team that's led us in worship. And specifically, I want to thank uh, Dave Sanders back on the drums. He's in the uh, cage back there. Let me just tell you, uh, it's, it's no uh, surprise to this team, but this man is a faithful drummer. He plays and plays and plays when it's uncomfortable, when it's not easy. He does have a life other than in that cage. David, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Uh, you're an amazing blessing to this church. So I just want to say thank you for that. And, uh, but until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would turn his face towards you, shine his countenance on your life, and give you peace. Don't worry the noise that you hear out there. God's voice is still saying, come on, we got this, and he'll fight for you. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.